I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome in, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast, the Wednesday show. Coming at you live here for week 10. It's the trade deadline special. That's right. It's Neil Smith. I've hijacked the mic from my co-host, Mr. Steve Bonham. No news this week, folks. We're only here to discuss trades and how to help you improve your team for the inevitable playoff run. But before we get into that, I mentioned him. My co-host, Mr. Steve Bonham. Steve, tell the people what's up. Uh, well, I mean, it's the trade deadline spectacular, first of all. I mean, because special is fine, but this is spectacular, Neil. It's over the top. Uh, other than that, I mean, pretty great. Kaboom! Can't complain. Can't Fantastic. Complain. Why is it spectacular, you may ask? Because, waiting in the shadows, we have a special guest, Mr. John Chancy. Dr. Dynasty himself has elected to deign us with his presence to come on down and give you Dynasty hits for this as well. John, tell the people what's up. What's up, Neil? What's up, Steve? I'm swooping in with the money in the bank coming in to give you some hits for the trade deadline. Uh, I'm excited to be here on a Wednesday. It, it feels a little weird not doing this on Sunday with my other crew, but I'm glad to be a part of this team and uh, looking forward to talking some football with you, gents. Don't worry. We won't tell Jack that you're cheating on him. It's, oh, no, I've already told him. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already telling Jack that John's I'm, doing pot altery. Are you yeah, kidding? Altery. 100%. <laughs> you know, Jack. Jack has his thing. He's got his. He's got his thing with Jason too. So it's a. We're. It's okay. It's okay. Oh wow! So you already felt the betrayal. Yeah. I see. Wow. Yeah, okay. We've got an open pod relationship. Oh, nice. Interesting. Okay, so you good. and you're. So you're saying that you and Jason have a real sister wives relationship. This has taken an interesting turn on this week's <laughs> show already. Spectacular. I'd rather do this show actually <laughs> right, than the yeah. trade deadline spectacular. <laughs> this is more fun. The sister wives of importantnonsense.com. Wow. All right. Good to know. I'm going to get Jason here on Discord. Hold on. I'm going to see if he can join to <laughs> get this going properly. Let's just air it all out right now while we're yeah, here. We'll just get, also, yeah. I spent like a good chunk of this since we started talking about this over the weekend trying to find uh, the doctor is in drop with John here. And it just to no avail. I did my best. All right. I want it to be known. It's what happens when we have that many drops. We have a problem. We can't keep them all straight. Thank you. They, Thank you. They get wiped off the board. Things happen. The gremlins that live in Steve Steve's house, and I'm not referring to his children, come and mess with his audio settings. You could settings. be, but that's fine. Uh, I'm still looking at that candy bucket that we can see on the video call. That the radio <laughs> audience won't get to ever see, but will now know exists. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you for putting that out there. I appreciate that. You are welcome. Why are we doing the trade deadline special? Why would we dedicate an entire hour of breaking away from what our normal content is, pull John in, interrupt his whole life, get him on here, because it's that important, folks, because the trade deadline is actually coming up here on November 19th if you play on CBS or ESPN, and it will actually be happening on the 14th of November if you play on Yahoo, which is just one more reason to not play on Yahoo. Every time I see a league on Yahoo that people want help with, I assume that they have AOL email addresses. It's time to move on, folks. It's 2020. You got to retire that. You got to move that over. 
put the history on a Google Drive and and keep it for all time. Don't rely on Yahoo to keep your stat tracking. Just copy and paste that out of there. Export it. Send your trade questions to Darren Rules with a Z at hotmail.com. <laughs> 100%. I was going to make a Lincoln Park 22000 reference, but <laughs> that works too. Works too. Folks, it's time now to start building your playoff roster. Steve, you and I have been talking about that a lot in the background. You got a week left at this point, now knowing that your trade deadline is coming up. Obviously, check your local league rules to make sure that your trade deadline actually falls on that day and not some sort of custom day. Uh, just double, it's always worth double checking, but for the majority of folks, trade deadline is next week. And we've been discussing off and on playoff rosters. Who are guys that you want to have? Who are guys that you want to try and shop as we, you've got a week to do it to try and put yourself in the best possible position for both redraft and also dynasty. But one of the things that it's important here to frame this entire conversation with is the important nonsense trade tables, which I mention every week on this podcast, because I write them <laughs> shameless plug. In order to frame this conversation, we'll be discussing player values, and it's important every year that we're going to remind everyone, don't panic sell if you're on the outside looking in, and don't overpay to try and get studs and rob yourself of the depth you'll need to actually go fully into the playoffs here with the best position possible. So with that in mind, check out the trade tables. They went live this morning for, the, for week 10. And there'll be one more for the final trade deadline next week. But we'll reference some of the player values as we go along. The important concept here is to never exceed the number that is on the actual trade table. So some of these guys will have a, will have a number assigned to them, just about all of them. You want to make sure that however you can acquire them, that you try and never go over that individual number. And on the other side, if you're trying to divest yourself of players, don't let them go for less than that stipulated number. Before we dive in, that's a good point that you bring up too. I just want to say real quick, uh, a lot of people fall into the pitfall of, you know, oh, I only get to play at most three wide receivers this week. And because this guy is my fifth best wide receiver, I should just trade him as a bench wide receiver. He's a starting wide receiver to someone else. So that's the value that he commands. It's, It's how valuable the player is to another team, not your own. That is correct. And obviously, another thing to point out, too, with trades, the more players on one side of a trade devalues each individual player. So you're going to have to keep that in mind. If somebody's trying to trade you four players for one of your players, each of their – just because that number adds up to more than what the other individual player's number would be, that is not how that math actually works because they're asking you to take on four bodies to try and make the equivalent of one starting yeah, player. The, like the math there too, that people kind of ignore is like, so say for example, you get three guys that come in for Alvin Kamara, who is your number one valued running back at 85 points. You would also have to be factoring in the value of the two players you're then cutting to make room for the extra bodies you're bringing in as part of giving up Alvin Kamara. That's how that math would work. That is correct. So you have to always factor in every piece of the trade to make sure it's something you're actually comfortable with. And then beyond that, to be honest, it's strength of schedule, confidence in the individual player and confidence in their system. But especially this year, my last note on this, before we dive into the actual buys and sells and mechanics of this, the actual advice people want. This year in particular with COVID, it is even more critical to not do what we just discussed where you're trying to trade away all of your depth players to acquire one star because if then that one star happens to go on the COVID IR list 
you will be left in a position where you can do nothing and you will lose outright. So that is a problem in normal years. This year, it is paramount that you not put yourself in that position. So that is something to keep in mind as you're building a playoff roster here in 2020 in the hellscape. So with that, gentlemen, let's do buys and sells. Let's get into the actual right. mechanics of it. Starting at QB, and folks, these are ordered in order of, for all of them, by most total value if, when trying to acquire them, but also difficulty to do. So with that in mind, the number one at QB for me, Justin Herbert. But, let's, but Steve, take it away real quick here. What do, you, what, do we, what do we think about Justin Herbert from a redraft perspective? So from a redraft standpoint, Justin Herbert is on an incredible tear since he came in and took this team over. We talked about in the preseason that one of our biggest things, um, the reason we were down on guys like Eckler and Keenan Allen, especially compared to the rest of consensus was because of Tyrod that we didn't know how long Tyrod would be at the helm. And that panned out for us in week one, boy, did they look like hot garbage in week one. (laughs) And then the, uh, (laughs) the lung gate that happened there in, uh, in LA, the quote unquote accidental stabbing of uh, Tyrod Taylor. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but this the, the coincidence, all right, that all of and a sudden Tyrod is done for the year now. Also, given the history of the Chargers job. medical staff. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, the, the fantastic Chargers medical staff that pans out year after year. Shout out to the nerd. He knows nothing about what we're talking about. No. Um, Justin Herbert has been fantastic. In fact, since he took over on a points per game basis so far this season, he has seven starts. He has 25.06 points per game. That is QB four for the season when you take Dak out of the equation. So he is on an incredible pace. To give you better perspective, uh, Patrick Mahomes, remember, initially set the Uh, record for most points in a season by a quarterback through eight games he had 27.12 points last year Lamar broke that record through eight games had 26.15 so far Russell Wilson has 29.52 which would be the most points per game by any quarterback all time through eight games except for the fact that Kyler Murray has 30.06 so unbelievable production from pretty much all quarterbacks across the board. But as I just said, Lamar had the best QB season ever last year, Patrick Mahomes two years ago, and Justin Herbert at 25.06 is basically on that pace through seven games played. So he's having an incredible rookie season. Uh, It's amazing to see what he's able to do there, especially with everybody around him constantly being hurt. So uh, learning the system first year in the league, Yes, an incredible prospect for Justin Herbert. He's easily a top 10 guy the rest of the way in redraft. Speaking of that, I actually, referencing the table, I have him at five for the rest of the season. And it's a function largely, which is why he is the number one QB to try and acquire, but also the most difficult because anybody who's been enjoying this level of production will likely not want to part with him cheaply. But if you reference the trade table, I have him at five and I that's a total basis points of 32 which is pretty high for a quarterback considering that the number one is 38 so it is theoretically doable to try and move him it's just going to be very difficult I feel to get anyone to actually part with it without exceeding the total value but if you can do it if somebody has him as 
you play in some league where somebody has Patrick Mahomes and, and Justin Herbert because they got him off of waivers or some weird scenario, it is theoretically possible that you could actually acquire Herbert from somebody within that value. So I'd say he's number one. But before we, before we move away from Herbert, uh, John, talk to us about Dynasty for Justin Herbert. What, what are we looking at from long-term perspective at this point? I mean, long-term, we really haven't even seen his peak. I mean, he's only in year one, and he's playing for what I would – I, to be honest, no offense, Jason, but an incompetent franchise, an incompetent coaching staff. Um, you can have some offense. That's fine. Yeah. That's, uh, that's... Well, sure, yeah. I feel, <laughs> this is a safe place for me to say that, so I, I'm, I feel like in company for that. Um, don't, don't feel threatened here. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, he downloads me. and doesn't listen. He follows the rules. Uh, um, no, but I think, yeah, I, I think we haven't even seen the best. I mean, year one, um, I just think he has so much upside and so much potential. Um, I, I think, you know, it's probably long-term. I, I can't think of many other quarterbacks I would want besides Justin Herbert at this point. I mean, he's 22 years old uh, and he just seems to be getting better and better each week. Uh, despite, as you mentioned, injuries around him. And there's a chance the Chargers, like, they're going to be really bad. Um, their record's not that great right now. They could have a high draft pick to put, you know, potentially maybe the best non-QB around uh, Justin Herbert next year. So, I don't know. I think the, the sky is the limit for this guy um, from a fantasy standpoint. Burrow or Herbert, rest of the way, you think? I would probably go Herbert. I just, I like Burrow a lot, but I don't know. Cincinnati is another one of those cursed franchises. And I guess it's kind of weighing the difference of San Diego or no, excuse me, LA or, or uh, Cincinnati. So I slightly go Herbert, but it's still close. I, I still love Joe Burrow a lot, but it, it's close. It's just crazy. I just use that as a, as a reference point mostly because that's an, it's an insane conversation that we just had right there. If you go back six months ago, to the to the preseason that conversation people would have been looking at us like we were crazy to even bring it up that's how the ascent of justin herbert it's like a, it's like well it's the, like the other thing too shit. is the competition like uh to john's point there when you look at herbert you're talking about the chiefs defense okay the raiders all right the broncos you know which has just gotten worse over time whereas when you're talking about burrow six times a year he's playing cleveland's defense which has gotten better every year the ravens and the steelers which are constantly top three or four defenses in the league so just inherently because of the division he has a tougher schedule and um i know we'll get to burrow in a little bit here but a majority of his stats are all volume based it's he's put up big numbers because he's third in the league in pass attempts He's thrown the ball a ton. So as they invest more in that defense and they get better as a team, they're going to lean more on Joe on uh, Joe Mixon running the ball and less on throwing the ball with Burrow. And I think that just hurts his fantasy prospects long-term. And that's fair. That's completely fair. But we'll get to Joe Burrow in a second. We've already kind of tilted our hand at that one here. But let's, let's move away from Justin Herbert, the number one QB trade target, to what, what I think is a much more reasonable option, to be fair. Ryan Tannehill. Steve, why does the public never listen to us about Ryan Tannehill, who's currently sitting at QB 10? If you season? listen to like public opinion about Ryan Tannehill or, or read anything about the, the Titans offense or what they've been able to do, it's basically that Ryan Tannehill is dead. He's a waste of a roster spot. I dropped Ryan Tannehill to pick up so-and-so. Do they throw the ball a ton? No. Why would you when you have Derrick Henry to run the ball so much and you're constantly winning games? Despite that fact, 
Ryan Tannehill, again, removing Dak, is in points per game QB8 on the season. And, and that would be surprising. Why would you would never think that be, unless you listen to our show? Because you would That's think, right. based on the narrative that you read every single week about Ryan Tannehill and the Titans offense, that he doesn't put up any numbers and he can't possibly be doing that well. So if someone, it's a, it's a distinct possibility that Ryan Tannehill's on your waiver wire. But if someone has Ryan Tannehill, more than likely because of where they were drafted or because of how they've worked their roster, he is a backup for someone at best. And he can be acquired for virtually nothing when he will be completely serviceable for you for the rest of the season. That is almost verbatim what I wrote up for this week's trade table uh, as, as, as my write-up piece for, for quarterback. That is the... It is the sweet spot. It's the nexus of value for this year's quarterback market for me. Ryan Tannehill. He's currently QB8 in points per game. I actually have him finishing at QB9 for the rest of the season. And he can be, he can be acquired for virtually nothing because he's likely somebody's backup quarterback. If you actually go through and look at his schedule, he has two negative matchups the rest of the way, not counting this Thursday's game against Indy. But he's got to play Indy again, and he's got to play Green Bay. But in the playoffs, Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see those. And John, I know that (laughs) this is not as sexy as the conversation we just had long-term. It's not even close to the same level of sexiness, but just your thoughts on Ryan Tannehill from a dynasty perspective. What is there any, is it worth it or is he just too old? Well, I mean, long-term, I think the age is definitely a concern. He's entering into the years at 32. He should be sort of in his peak. And so you might not be getting the best of Ryan Tannehill long-term. Uh, or maybe you only get a year left of that kind of prime. But I think if you need a player, if you're sort of maybe one QB or a player away from getting over the top in terms of winning this year in your dynasty league, I say go for Ryan Tannehill because like you mentioned with his schedule, it's really soft um, down the stretch, especially if you're if you think you're going to make the playoffs, Ryan Tannehill might be the perfect quarterback. Um, you know, trade target quarterback, because yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of a quietly good year, despite, you know, you guys hyping up plenty on this show. But I think the general public probably is maybe downplaying Tannehill a little bit. They're selling the stock when they should be buying, but um, short-term dynasty. Yeah. Long-term. I mean, you'll probably be in the market for another quarterback shortly thereafter. So I wouldn't give up too much to get him. All right. Well, that makes total and complete sense. Let's pivot to our final QB acquisition target, which is Joe Burrow. We already mentioned it. This for me is the cheap and cheerful option. So Steve, from a redraft perspective, would you even co-sign that statement one? And two, what, what are your thoughts on just generally just Joe Burrow rest of season? For me, this is the reverse. Uh, for me, this is the anti Ryan Tannehill is he's had a couple of huge games that have propped him up. And even with those two big games points per game, he is QB 16. Like Joe Burrow is not exactly setting the world on fire. And if somebody wants to give you something in the realm of a top 10 QB value, I would take that. I would sell high on Joe Burrow. But if, again, this is a backup QB situation where someone just doesn't need him or doesn't want him and you're looking for that boomer bust home run guy, I, I would take Joe Burrow again for, for virtually nothing is what I'd be willing to pay for it. But yeah, yeah. otherwise I'm trying to sell high as opposed to buying. For reference, Joe Burrow 19 on the, uh, on the, on the actual trade table itself, which is not, not very high. You're talking about paying effectively QB 16 prices if you're actually going to do that. 
So the reason he makes the cut for me is because they are having to chuck it that much rest of season. That's just a, fi- a fact for this year. So for a one-year pump and dump, I, I like it as my QB too. If I've been riding it out with Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, and I've just been good enough because I'm good enough other places, but I don't want to trust that for the rest of the way. But I also don't want to spend very much because it's not worth that much to me. Joe Burrow is the guy that I like in the the cheap range just because. Well, I think it's a, a better one too. Like if you've got a Deshaun, you've got an Aaron Rodgers, you've got a Josh there Allen, you you've got somebody who's in the top tier who you actually have been riding and they've been good for you, but you have no backup. You need that insurance plan so that when you go into the playoffs, if something catastrophic happens, you're not just done. You have that insurance policy. Makes sense for Mark, but for redraft, it's fairly straightforward. The more interesting question, John, is Joe Burrow dynasty. Feel free to gush ad nauseum if you like. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, you know, this year, I mean, I would, I would probably hold off this year as far as expecting much and redraft. I mean, you should put your money in terms of betting on Joe Burrow uh, and his ability to cover before you should worry about redraft. But long term, I think dynasty. Gosh, I mean, any all the good things we say about Justin Herbert, you know, we can we can we can lump on to Joe Burrow. I mean, obviously, he's not playing up to the same level, but he's playing stiffer competition. Um, you know, and the Bengals are still somewhat of a dumpster fire and they're probably going to be drafting pretty high this year. So I think depending on the pieces they can build around him going forward, um, I think he has very, very high upside. Um, so yeah, Dynasty, I would definitely be willing to go after him potentially. Um, maybe somebody's desperate, you know, trying to sell sell cheap. Uh, you know, I think that's, an, that's a possibility, but um, I think you're going to definitely want the long-term value with Joe Burrow. See, you didn't need the qualifier on Cincinnati dumpster fire. Just a broadcasting note. You didn't need that. That with the we know we knew what it was. But that's quarterback. Let's move into running back targets, which is usually the meat and potatoes of this whole thing because they're so scarce. And we're gonna go ahead and start it right back at the top here. Most difficult, but biggest bang for your buck. And these are guys who have through injury and underperformance a little bit in the case of the second guy you may not be paying what somebody at this point, if somebody's going to ask you to pay full retail, what they paid, it's, it's not, it's not worth it. And they're crazy, but this is split between one a and one B. And the first one is Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon comes with the qualifier of this is the guy I want. If I'm trying to make the playoffs, if Joe Mixon is available in, in your league, that's the guy that I'm looking to target. If I'm still trying to make the playoffs because his schedule is just, fantastic down the stretch it does toughen up a little bit in terms of the actual playoffs but if your goal is to just get there and see what happens and joe mixon is out there because maybe somebody's desperate or they're frustrated that's the the actual rb1 level guy that i'm trying to target and then 1b derrick henry if i've actually already functionally made the playoffs and i'm looking to make a huge splash and try and actually win my league he hasn't been his normal you know his derrick henryness the last couple weeks but that's going to change because for his playoff schedule, starting in week 14 through the end of the season, he has only plus matchups, and they are the tastiest running back matchups you're going to get in 2020. Houston's on there. He's got the list. He goes and plays all the softest run defenses down the back stretch. Absolutely, if you can pull this off, those are the two guys that I want to target if I'm looking to spend big. Uh, Joe Mixon, 66 on the table. Derrick Henry, 75. So you can actually spend up here a little bit if that is your intention. But let's talk about things that are probably what more people are going to be here for. RB2s. RB2s and upper levels of flex. 
leading off for the actual like not part of part of uh, RB2, DeAndre Swift. And we're going to break format here and we're going to go right to long term. <laughs> John, DeAndre Swift. Long term fantasy god or not? Well, I mean, my son, one of my Sunday, uh, my Sunday uh, host, Jack, has called him the next Alvin Kamara, and I'm not quite sure if he's that good yet, but I do like him a lot. Um, I think, I think DeAndre Swift. Uh, the only problem is, is Detroit just can't get out of their own way. They keep putting Adrian Peterson out there for some reason, and I, you know, I imagine that you know Peterson will likely not be there next year. But who's to say that the Lions won't pick up another veteran running back, or the Lions won't draft another running back, uh, you know, just as a way to kind of bungle uh, the talent they have. Because I, I, everything I've seen out of uh, DeAndre Swift is just makes me so happy from a football standpoint, and a fantasy standpoint, but. Detroit's going to do Detroit things, so we will see. Yeah, likely going to have said, a new coach. <laughs> the worst, the worst part about DeAndre Swift's game is the uniform he wears. Other than that, it's all good. It's very frustrating. Steve, are you are you in agreement? Probably the top end of, of realistic RB two in DeAndre Swift for the rest of the season. I mean, I would have been more with it a couple weeks ago when you were buying low. Now I feel like you may have to be paying up for it, but. Yeah, he's probably right in that back-end RB2 conversation for the rest of the year. Yeah, currently sitting at RB at RB17. I've got him actually at 19. I think that's about where he finishes. But if you can get him at that price tag, I like it quite a bit because there is still some upside on it. To, but to your point, it is not as juicy as it was even a couple weeks ago. Uh, remember last week, Steve, when we talked about, we talked about with Jack, Daryl Henderson, and the idea yep. that everybody hates Daryl Henderson and he died? So at some yep. point and it was and, tragic. Yeah. There was some sort of fireball. I don't, funeral. I don't know. Yeah. Coffin carry memes were made about it. Like I, and uh, well, feel free to go look it up folks listening to this because Daryl Henderson is the starting running back in LA for the Rams, the rest of the way. And as such, he is going to be functionally an RB two the, the rest of the way. And because it's Daryl Henderson and everyone hates him, this is something that is still got – it's very acquirable. Would you not agree, Steve, for the rest of the season? It's very acquirable. Yeah, I mean, you could get him for basically nothing. Do I trust it entirely? No, I'd rather get a guy like Swift. But I think he's going to be in that back-end RB2 high-end flex range for the rest of the year. The problem is if they start to fade, if they continue to look as garbage as they have the last couple of weeks, that maybe they start to see what they have in acres. And then – then it could be trouble come playoff time. Yeah, but given the relative price tag is my point, that I don't have to yeah. pay enough to where you I really shouldn't have to pay that. much. Yeah, yeah, this is a very acquirable thing rest of season. And look, at, that's why he's a function of where he is on the list. Because DeAndre Swift, yes, I'd rather have that because I feel like that's 12 to 15 fantasy points a game pretty reliably the rest of the season. Daryl Henderson is more like, I could get a couple more 20s and then I could start taking zeros on this arrangement. Or I could start, you know, I'd get a couple more 20s and get a couple 10s. But it's, 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 that's why he's where he is on the, on the actual list. A uh, little bit lower than that, he's back from the dead. My man, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay has an amazing playoff schedule. Melvin Gordon has looked like just a shell of himself the last few yeah, weeks. Philip Lindsay's been the best Denver Broncos running back this year, and it's not been close. It has not been close. Also, Melvin Gordon's still dealing with the issue of the DUI that he picked up about 15 minutes from my actual house. 
in what is a known speed trap area. So that is unfortunate and likely won't deal with that until the off season, but still makes me nervous. And if that was to happen this season, cause it's pretty egregious when you go look up the details, he could get in serious trouble. Uh, Philip Lindsay would be the one again. So it's an ultimate value play. I like Philip Lindsay now because I can get him at the trade deadline when he's only been back for a week and people are still kind of sleeping on it. He might be on your waiver wire at this point. That's how far it's fallen. So give me the upside running back with something, something resembling a path to actual meaningful starting time. And now we're going to talk about a couple a couple things that are even further down the list. John, Mike Davis, we all know he's come in and he's been a very serviceable replacement for Christian McCaffrey dealing with the litany of injuries. And now with another injury, he's already going to miss week 10. What do we think about Mike Davis long-term? Is this something that we actually want for dynasty or is it just kind of a, a short-term arrangement? Look, I think right now, I mean, his short-term value is clearly being the handcuff to Christian McCaffrey, but you know, he's 27. I think he, he's, a, he's going to be a free agent uh, from Carolina after this season. And the chances are he's going to move on. And I, I, I can't imagine they're going to want to pay uh, backup running back too much, especially with Reggie Bonifant there and the chances that they might draft a running back uh, in Carolina. So I think um, there's a chance he will, he will be on the move yet again. So a lot of his value could depend on where he lands, but um, long-term, I still think he has some flex value, even if he does land somewhere with a, um, you know, with an already entrenched uh, running back, uh, even involved in a committee, he has PPR value. He's pretty good at catching the ball. Even last week, um, you know, with Christian McCaffrey back, he caught five passes, 34 yards, not great, but they're still trying to find ways to get him the ball. And I can see um, another offense trying to do the same thing, even if he's not the lead back. I think there's some value there. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, but, but it will be with a new team, which is, which is kind of what we had talked about. Okay. Uh, Steve, any notes on, on Mike Davis for redraft other than if you have Christian McCaffrey, you should have already taken care of this a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, you, you should. Have... Like, uh, the amazing thing was, again, you talked about the fact that the depth and holding everything. I think he goes without saying, we've said it for so long, handcuffs are king this year. You have to be able to back up everybody and anybody. And if you had Mike Davis for Christian McCaffrey and then you cut him when Christian McCaffrey was healthy, I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know if you haven't been paying attention to what's been happening this entire season. Clearly you haven't, but... Yeah, Mike Davis is widely available again on waivers. He was one of the biggest pickups this week. Um, if he was available on waivers, hopefully you got him. But if not, yes, I would be trying to acquire him because he is, again, a guaranteed insurance policy. Even though those last couple games before McCaffrey came back, he wasn't as good as you hoped and wasn't as good as the first few games. He was still a back-end RB2. And if he's the starter there with McCaffrey hurt, then that is definitely his value rest of season. All right, well, Steve, don't go too far because the next name on this list, the final name at running back, Miles Gaskin. And for yeah, that, I defer to I our I threw resident. Miles Gaskin on there, my guy, mainly because he doesn't get talked about a lot. He was on a top 10 pace for a while there. He had finished no worse than top 15 his last three games before hurting his MCL. He's going to miss the next three weeks, so this is only if you're already in the playoffs or you definitely believe you're going to make the playoffs. But in terms of entire running backs for this year. And again, he missed this last week and had the bye. running backs that have at least 100 plus rush attempts and 30 plus pass receptions. So being used in both aspects of the game, Ezekiel Elliott, David Montgomery and miles Gaskin. That's it. 
That's the whole list. Like Alvin Kamara has 96 rush attempts, so he's close, but he would be the next highest. So Miles Gaskin is having a great season. He will be back. This is his job. They have clearly shown that they want to give him the ball as much as possible. And look, the Dolphins aren't going away. I mean, they're five and three. They've got Tua in there. They're pushing to try to make the playoffs this year, and they're in playoff position right now. So Miles Gaskin is going to get work when he comes back. So if you are a contending team, he is certainly an RB2 that you can get for probably cheap. The resurgence of the Miami Dolphins from utter dumpster fire to actually mediocre football team has been a fascinating real football story. But we'll digress from that point because it's actually time to take a break. So we're going we're gonna to take a little quick break. We'll be right back to do wide receiver and tight end targets. And we're back. We're going to dive into some wide receiver targets here for you folks. Topping the list, number one in your hearts, or at least our hearts as bitter, bitter Bears fans, two-thirds of us, Mr. Allen Robinson. Steve, we talk about this all the time privately. Could you imagine what Allen Robinson would be able to do if he actually played for a real football team at any point? In his it's career? a tragedy. It's a real tragedy. It is depressing. We may find out this season because for whatever reason, Jacksonville was ready to move on, and now here we are again with him putting up great numbers and being far and away the best player on his team, and Chicago's ready to move on. So whatever. He'll go somewhere. He'll, you know what? He'll become a free agent again and he'll sign in the worst place possible because that seems to be his jam. Don't what he wish wants the to Jets do. on people. Like, well, don't, no, they may don't. actually get Trevor Lawrence and have him. Nah, he'll quarter. stay in for another year. So that's, that's going to be uh, the <laughs> He'll go to Washington and he'll play opposite Terry McLaurin. Yeah, great. Yep. With Kyle Allen. With, with Kyle Allen yeah. starting quarterback still right. for no reason. That's right. right. Yeah, because Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, mm-hmm. just, just Rivera things. Yep. But Allen Robinson. He'll go to New Orleans. They'll get rid of Michael Thomas and they'll let Taysom Hill be the starting quarterback. And it'll just be. <laughs> Don't <laughs> you put that evil on me. <laughs> no, God. No, God, please. No, no, no. It's so applicable. All right. In all seriousness, Allen Robinson is already a top 20 wide receiver. He's. He's going to finish inside the top 15. And frankly, he still has top 10 upside, despite the fact that the Bears offense is incompetent. Just go watch it. It's hysterical. With Do yourself Nick, a favor and take our word. Don't. Just yeah, don't. maybe don't actually do that. And then Nick with Nick Foles throwing errant passes all over the field. Like, it's super ugly, and it does not matter because the rest of the way, Helen Robinson has an amazing, amazing – it's the, it's the stuff dreams are made of, his schedule coming down the stretch. You've got games against the Vikings and the Lions, just all the bad secondaries. He's got Jacksonville in there. His actual playoff schedule is absolutely fantastic. He is the perfect specimen for this, likely because lots of people hate Allen Robinson for reasons that are wrong, and you can actually have him for – less than you would think in more in more cases. Uh, but if you don't like Allen Robinson, because you're one of those people who's wrong, or you're like, Neil, you're a bitter Bears fan, how can you possibly sit here with a straight face and recommend Allen Robinson to me? I come with a backup plan. And that backup plan is A.J. Brown. And I reference Tannehill, Ryan. And this is another one who, because he was hurt and because he is still dealing in some ways with that injury, and because he plays for the Titans where Ryan Tannehill is dead, <laughs> they can't throw the ball. People are fading A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown missed three games this season. He's currently sitting at wide receiver 24, and he's got nowhere to go but up because much like Ryan Tannehill, for reasons that we already mentioned, he has 
an amazing, amazing schedule rest of the way. So, Steve, rest of the season, do you have any gripes with me on Allen Robinson or A.J. Brown? Uh, no, definitely not. They would just be expensive to acquire. but They will be slightly it. expensive, which is why they're at the top of the list. So we'll do it real quick, John. Long-term, Allen Robinson, A.J. Brown. Either one of those float your boat long-term for dynasty targets? Oh, for targeting, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I would, I mean, but good luck getting, I think A.J. Brown would be a lot tougher to get, but I think you can get Allen Robinson uh, in Dynasty a little bit cheaper just because uh, he is playing for the Bears and chances yeah, are the maybe. age and the question marks, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that, um, and the chances are maybe someone in your league who has Allen Robinson doesn't know that, hey, he's a free agent next year and he could have a better situation. So I don't know. It's, it's possible. It's, uh, you know, cheaper. He's older than, and then Brown. But I think if I had to go after one uh, for the value, I would go after Allen Robinson. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. That's, that was going to be my pick as well from a dynasty perspective. So it's nice to know that I'm not totally insane since I'm just finally learning how to play this format, <laughs> but let's look at something a little bit cheaper to your point. Those are expensive options. Let's look at something a little bit more, slightly more affordable. And it could be called frankly, to a certain extent, LA Rams wide receiver, but Robert Woods, Cooper cup are the next on the list for me. They have also just beautiful, beautiful schedules. I hate the fact that it's still Jared Goff throwing them the ball, but what are you going to do? They are both integral pieces of what that team is going to have to do if they actually want to stay relevant. And that with McVay, for me, they are finding ways to get that done. Both of them have amazing schedules, not only down the stretch, but also in the playoffs because they obviously play for the same team. I would prefer Robert Woods of those two, and that's where I was going to get I was going to get you involved here, Steve. What it, what do you what do you think between the two of them? Um, so it's interesting because we've talked about this in the past, but Robert Woods is more of like their red zone guy, uh, so he has the higher touchdown percentage, which is going to pay off for you more. Um, but to me, it's Cooper Cup just because I can count on the volume. Uh, Robert Woods right now is twenty fifth in the league in targets where Cooper cup is ninth. And I, I understand he got a lot of that, you know, just this past game, but even still, even without that, he has been on a consistent pace. He's at 71 targets right now. He's ahead of guys uh, like DK Metcalf, like Calvin Ridley, uh, like obviously DJ Moore, who's not had a great year, but Adam Thielen, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, he's, he's blowing people out of the water with the amount of targets that he's getting. The volume is there. The yardage are there. It's just, can he get in the end zone? And if he does, it's a massive game like he had a couple weeks ago. And that's what I was mentioning with the schedule because they've got Seattle twice on there. They've got the Jets. They've got Arizona twice as well. Like it's, They've got one potentially negative matchup in Tampa Bay the rest of the way. So it's they are just fantastic targets. And because of the kind of wonkiness of them and the Rams in general, they will command just way less in terms of actual price tag than either Allen Robinson or AJ Brown. So I love them as wide receiver twos, if that's kind of the neighborhood you're in, but let's talk about for me, one of the most entertaining stories just of 2020 T Higgins. We, we seem to, we, there seems to be a theme of going back to Cincinnati for your wide receiver three running back two to top of flex. <laughs> we're going, we're on to Cincinnati T Higgins since week three, since he actually came in and actually got the actual starting job, he's averaging seven targets a game, seven and a half. If you want to get technical, he's averaging 75 yards a game. He has five touchdowns in that span. And he also has just clearly developed this rapport just nice and early with Joe Burrow, which is exactly what you were hoping for. I think that's deliberately why they went and got him was we need to get 
have these two kind of grow up together. You know what I mean? T Higgins is what John Ross could have been if John Ross actually knew how to play football for me. That's just my, my kind of comp for how I think about it because Higgins is probably just a better player in general. So for me, if I'm in that wide receiver three area, that's kind of where I want to go because he's got nowhere to go from up. There's a ton of upside on it and you might as well buy in now while you can still get it cheap. So, but let's talk about long-term John, just for T Higgins, where, where do you have him in kind of your overall? Cause I know you do dynasty rankings for us. Where, where is T Higgins kind of like long-term where, what do you suppose the ceiling is the ultimate ceiling for him? T Higgins has continued to rise up uh, my dynasty rankings throughout the year. I mean, I think he's one of the, I think there's a, you know, him and and maybe a few other guys drafted in this uh, wide receiver class outside of the first round, especially I think of him and like uh, Claypool, I think they are slow. They have slowly, or maybe I shouldn't say slowly quickly moved up and maybe even jumped ahead of some of those first round players. I was really excited about. I think of Jalen Rager specifically, I was so excited about him coming into this year. And still, I'm excited long term. But I feel like even Higgins, uh, Higgins, and and maybe even Claypool, or obviously Claypool, have both surpassed him. But I really think Higgins would be a lot cheaper to go after. Um, you know, I still we haven't even seen the best of Higgins yet. Um, I think his chemistry is only getting better with Burrow. So this would be the time to go after him because it's going to be too late uh, here soon. He's going to be he's just going to keep blowing up, in my opinion. That's kind of my feeling on it as well. So I'm, it's interesting because you actually stole my next question, which was T. Higgins or Jalen Rager. You already <laughs> answered the question. I can't believe I'm saying it. It's Higgins right now. And, and Jalen Rager was the player I believe I had as the number one receiver, I thought, coming into the season. So I think it says maybe more about Rager and how disappointing the, the year has been. But I, it says a lot about Higgins as well. Yeah, because he's been hurt, obviously, in Rager, and he's just getting back. And he had the touchdown last week, but he's still got a long way to go, just given the state of that offense in general, too. It's weird that we actually have hope in Cincinnati in two key positions on offense. Uh, Steve, is there is there any reason that you can see to not try and target T. Higgins at the wide receiver three level for your team down the stretch? Uh, certainly not. Uh, since you, as you mentioned before, in that weird game against Cleveland on Thursday night, remember in week two, uh, the game – that will forever be known as the CJ Uzama game uh, when he went off and got hurt all simultaneously. And then Drew Sample had the game of his life and has not been heard from since then. By the way, if you've seen Drew Sample, please call the hotline. Let them know if you have any information. <laughs> He's on witness protection. He's on milk <laughs> no, cartons. That makes sense. They brought makes back sense. milk cartons just for Drew Sample. They don't even do uh, that. But, but since then, believe it or not, that week's two game against Cleveland, T. Higgins only had six targets. And week seven against Cleveland, he had five targets for 71 and a touchdown. In every other game this year since then, he has had at least seven targets per game, and he has not scored less than 10 fantasy points in PPR since week uh, two in that game against Cleveland. So he has lit the world on fire. He has been a wide receiver 19 since then. He is the alpha on this team you Tyler Boyd people can shove it and go suck a lemon. I'm I'm done with it. Wow, we finally it, it is T Higgins mark it down. It took ten weeks, and Steve is finally now just blatantly attacking his Twitter audience. On Look, the I told you in the preseason that it was not Tyler Boyd. That AJ Green, from a pure talent perspective, was the best wide receiver on this team, and it was T Higgins two and Tyler Boyd three. And T Higgins has now surpassed. AJ Green clearly he is the clear-cut best wide receiver on this team I will give you the fact that AJ Green has now regressed all the way to the bottom of that list but 
it is T Higgins and it is not close and he's getting volume and yardage, which cannot be said for anybody else. I think we all agree T Higgins over on this show, T Higgins over Tyler Boyd, right? Yeah, Regardless for of sure. format. I think we yeah. all agree on that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get a harump from John. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Higgins> troubling. <laughs> troubling. And the final name, just cheap and cheerful, kind of as a toss-off. If I'm looking at flexes because I need a little bit of depth, Christian Kirk. Slowly getting more involved, slowly getting back into that offense. They can't possibly throw it to DeAndre Hopkins on every single play. So the best thing about it, still relatively cheap despite the, the two big games, but you got to do that now. The clock is ticking on that because if he has another good game like that, he's going to get up into that, that echelon where he's too expensive for what the risk is because he could always regress back down. I'm not totally sold that it's that sustainable. But if I'm looking at home run flexes, uh, for cheap, Christian Kirk is is right near the top of my list. But let's move into tight end here because tight end we can uh, do very well. Well, quickly, I will say yeah. with this too. Remember, he was dealing with the injury. He missed week three, and after they really made and put an emphasis on getting DeAndre Hopkins the ball as much as possible at the beginning of the year, they've slowly worked Christian Kirk more in to this offense. Now he only had three targets against Dallas, but remember it was the two massive touchdowns that put him over the top. But over the last three weeks, he has scored in PPR 22, 20, and 23. Christian Kirk is on an unbelievable pace right now. And remember the connection that him and Kyler had at the end of the year last year. We're seeing that come to fruition here. So they're just showing defenses that you can't just put everybody on Hopkins and think you're fine. This is what we talked about in the preseason about Arizona being so scary. Is There's so many options out there now. You don't know who to cover. This is it's exciting to see from an NFL fan standpoint, but from a fantasy standpoint, you have games like what Hopkins did last week that can be pretty frustrating. Yeah, Christian Kirk, a guy I would buy into, absolutely. Yeah, and the good news is it's still cheap for all the warts that you just mentioned, but that's that's why it's still keeping the price a little bit low despite the huge point totals. Three yeah, exactly. Over the last four weeks, keeping in mind that, like I said, he had the buy. So he has played one less game than some of these people. Christian Kirk is wide receiver eight. So there it is. Tight end. Hayden Hurst tops this list. Tight end, folks, if we if you don't listen to this regularly, tight end is a train wreck on top of a dumpster fire heading into a nuclear reactor. It's that bad. Uh, no, but number one, Hayden Hurst. And this is a volume thing. He has established himself as that third wide receiver option at this point. For the Falcons, a team has to throw the ball 50 times a game if they're actually going to even compete in any way. So for me, Hayden Hurst, because it's still relatively inexpensive, a lot of people aren't buying into it yet, and more importantly, it's actually acquirable because there's nothing at tight end that is super acquirable that you'd actually feel good about, that actually gets enough targets, that is actually involved enough for me, that isn't Hayden Hurst, to actually really make it worth it if I'm looking for a significant upgrade at tight end. <clears throat> Does anybody want to talk me off the ledge here? on Hayden Hurst. Can anybody do it? No. I mean, we've talked about this before. Tight end at this point is if you have Mark Andrews, you feel okay about it. Not as great as I felt about it in the preseason. Uh, Darren Waller, you feel really good about it. Travis Kelsey, obviously you feel great about it. And as long as Kenny Galladay is hurt, boy, what TJ Hawkinson is doing, the volume that he is getting in Detroit is amazing. It's everything that Eric Ebron would have been if he had talent. Oh, just imagine. That's just fair. imagine if you put talent into Eric Ebron's body. That's, That's what you'd be getting with TJ Hawkinson. Amazing. That's totally fair. That's totally but fair. for tight end on a weekly basis, outside of those three or four guys, it's really just, can you guess who scores the touchdown? And if you guess right, you win. 
And if you guess wrong, it's a three. Speaking and that's of basically guessing, tight end. Speaking of guessing who can score the touchdown, <laughs> Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard's the next name on the list. And coming back from injury, widely available. Still not being believed in yet. I actually think he could be a back-end tight end one the rest of the way with the Zach Ertz injury and just the wonkiness of it. And for this one, I actually want to get John's perspective more than anything. John, Dallas Goddard for career. Is he just Zach Ertz next year? What's, what do you, how do you read that whole situation with the two of them and the contract status and all that nonsense? Yeah, I would think that's that's the the sort of the upside you're expecting. And it's not long ago that, you know, that uh, Zach Ertz was one of the elite three of the tight ends. So, I you know, I don't think we should expect that from Goddard, but he's still young uh, and he's playing in a, in a pretty offensive-friendly uh, system that likes to get the tight ends involved. If you remove Zach Ertz, you would think – Goddard's going to be the guy uh, I would imagine the Eagles will replace Goddard Goddard's role maybe in the draft or in free agency so you know there's still a chance they're going to use a lot of two tight informations and uh, and going forward but I still think Goddard like you said has a lot of upside uh probably somewhere between mid late you know uh tight end one um depending on um you know your league for example yeah, I think at the end of the season, we're going to regroup here with this group and probably throw in Jack and what we'll get a bunch of the guys together, but we'll be talking dynasty, um, you know, trades to make in the off season, people that are going to move up and down the rankings. Goddard's going to be one of those guys to look at. And I think the biggest thing you brought up is remember Trey Burton, right? He was the Philly special. He was the Dallas Goddard before Dallas Goddard. He leaves and goes to Chicago and that opens the door for what Dallas Goddard has become now. And I think it's a similar thing. Zach Ertz is going to move on. Goddard will move up to the number one. And I think he's going to get extremely overdrafted next year for what you're probably going to get out of it when they're going to replace him with somebody to take that number two role. Yeah. Cause the scheme's not going to change. Exactly. And somebody wrote Jimmy Graham on this list. Who wants to talk about Jimmy Graham pumpkin fired up. I can't believe I I'm just saying, I, I think it, I would only go after Jimmy Graham if you're looking for a one-year rental to close out the season. Uh, he has just been – I mean, Chicago has been a dumpster fire to watch offensively. Um, but Jimmy Graham is kind of putting together a quietly decent season, um, you know, at tight end. Um, and with it being such a crapshoot, he seems to just fall in the end zone about every other game. And um, – you know, kind of looking at the Bears' schedule down the stretch. They've got Detroit, they've got Houston, they got Minnesota, Jacksonville. I can't think of a collective of, of four teams where Jimmy Graham probably has a really good chance of yet again falling into the end zone. So um, don't love him long-term for Dynasty, but if you can get him cheap, um, go for it. Why not? Yeah, if you're a contender looking for a, a fill-in tight end, I definitely am good with that. If you're the, the bad luck Kittle owner. Jimmy Graham, you could do worse than that for sure. Love it. Love everything about it. We will throw and take our second break. And when we come back, we're going to do cells. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. In Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. 
So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win, but again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry, but if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. You can buy me a lot of John U. Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and a half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many John U jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend. All right, welcome back, folks. The back half of the trade deadline spectacular. These are guys that you're going to want to divest from. These are guys that I am not. We do, we are not going to count on for the playoff push here. And the good news is some of these guys actually have value and could be used to acquire some of the names that we mentioned above. So keep that in mind if you happen to be sitting with any of these guys and are evaluating kind of long-term status for the second half of the season and beyond. Kicking it off, quarterback Matt Ryan. I just don't see how you can trust it at this point. Am I insane? Does anybody want to tell me why I'm insane? Because I just I, – I am not seeing this the, – the Matt Ryan love right now. He's been completely hit or miss, and his schedule down the stretch is completely brutal. Does anybody want to talk me off the ledge? No, I mean, I think your whole list here, you've got Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz. These are all guys that have – been okay at the beginning of the year this just goes back to what we talked about before if this is your third qb or you have an option to get someone else as a backup then yeah i definitely want to have a backup quarterback no matter who i have just in case something happens so i'm not just done i don't have to go scour the waiver wire for somebody but for yes, Cousins, i can get yeah, yeah yeah if i can get anybody from this list and feel decent about it oh that's one of my favorite stats that i want to throw out there just very quickly dak who has been hurt for four weeks now, still has more fantasy points than Kirk Cousins. It's amazing. I'm just, it is, oh, oh, what a study. Chef's kiss. There's a reason Kirk Cousins isn't on the list at any level, okay? Like, you didn't even I'm just saying, you brought brought up his name, and it just, it made me, it reminded me of it, and it's a fantastic stat, and I love it. But yes, that was it. (laughs) 
just keep your backup QB, but if you can get something decent for it um, and you have a replacement option, that's fine. That's, and that's what I'm saying. So you're going to need a backup quarterback for, for the playoffs here. It's important to have one, especially in 2020 with the whole COVID nonsense. You're going to want something above replacement level. But for me, the guys on this list, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Derek Carr, they all have similar issues. They started off hot, a little bit specious reasoning on Matt Ryan on that one. He's actually rounded into form. But the other two have had hot starts and have kind of fallen off a little bit. Carr's actually been decent, but he's sailing into the actual hard part of their schedule now. He's making the turn. They had a very soft schedule, and now they have a very hard schedule the rest of the way. I don't want to continue to count on it. If I can avoid it, I'd prefer to. But I want to get into Carson Wentz real quick before we just completely move off the whole topic with, uh, with John. John, Carson Wentz, what, what do we do? Well, I mean, for this year, I mean, I, I, there's not a lot you can do, I think, if you're already, you know, unless you're wanting to go out. And I don't think anybody's going to take Carson Wentz off your hands. So, you know, you're probably going to have to go trade uh, for one of maybe one of the players you meant, we've mentioned previously. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty worried about Carson Wentz just from the standpoint that the Eagles, the offensive line, he's just getting the crap kicked out of him every week. Uh, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. I, you know, even if they, even if they're going to use him for as an offensive weapon, um, they still plan on using him and taking Wentz off the field at some point. So I don't know. I was really excited about him, you know, post Super Bowl run, but ever since then, it's been really disappointing. And so I'm not sure long-term value. I'm, I'm pretty nervous. So if you could get a, a roughly replacement level value in the off season, for example, for Carson Wentz, you're doing that hundred percent it's gone. Yeah. If someone's willing, yeah. If someone is uh, willing to maybe just kind of pay for the name, Oh, they see Carson Wentz and, you know, think, Oh, he's been an MVP almost before. Like, okay. I'll try to maybe take a gamble, but yeah, I would sell as quickly as I could. You should yeah. do Carson Wentz PR. He's been an MVP almost is a fantastic <laughs> tagline. That is amazing. Well, by the way, right now, points per game, he is QB ten. So, so if someone will give you top ten QB value, yeah, I would, I would certainly take it. I, yeah. I wouldn't by any means sell low. I, I wouldn't he's either. Been, for he's redraft. been serviceable to this point, so if, if, I can, if someone will give you actual value for it, then yes, I agree. That's kind of the point with this whole list. I'm fine car washing any of these guys through as my QB two, but if I can, if I have a better replacement or I can get one. I don't want to count on them in any way. Ryan Newton, Carr, Wentz. I don't want to deal with the headaches anymore. Wentz being the actual, why he's at the bottom of the list, <laughs> because he's the most I'd be willing to kind of continue to stay the course with. But that's the list of quarterback. It's, <laughs> it's a shame because some of those guys are actually like perennially highly drafted guys. Matt Ryan was QB four for some people going into this season. But let's talk about running back. And I don't think we could talk about running back without talking about Zeke at the top of this. <clears throat> I'm I'm over it personally for redraft Steve for the rest of the for the rest of the way. I think he could finish as like RB12. I think it's entirely possible they could even get better. They look better with Gilbert for example last week in a game where they shocked the Steelers for 3 quarters. I, it's totally still within him, but my whole analysis on this is it's very straightforward. They're having to throw so much because they're getting killed because their defense is so bad that they can't actually establish the run at any point. His touches are going down week on week on week before he got to the Pittsburgh game. I think they made a conscious effort to really focus on him. So maybe they continue to do that going forward because it worked. But if they get out of their rhythm at any point, you're going to get like a six. And it's Zeke. People will overpay for the name Zeke. We know this. That He's a top-end running back prospect. But for me, I don't want any part of it for the rest of the season. Well, it's not only that. It's the fact that now, you know, we mentioned Dak. Without Dak being in there, 
literally every defense is just, all right, eight men in the box, make anybody but Zeke beat us. Like, make Andy Dalton throw the ball. Make Garrett Gilbert throw the ball. Like, do do anything except let Ezekiel Elliott beat us running the football, which is exactly what was not happening the first five weeks because they were getting torched through the air. So Zeke was just having a field day because he was getting three-man boxes running for as many yards as he possibly wanted. So since Dak has gone down, he has been atrocious. That line has been beat up and hurt all year. And it's not going to change for the rest of this season. Now, long-term for Dynasty, I've seen people also saying they're done with it, and I definitely do not buy into that. I don't buy into that either, but let's let John kick onto that topic because that's where I wanted to go with him. John, are people insane, like Steve and I would allege, that to be done with it in Dynasty? Yeah, that that's just crazy to cut. If you were to try to cut ties with Zeke, I mean, I, I you know, he's having a down year, of course, yeah. But he's only 25. He doesn't have Dak. He got COVID at the beginning of the year. We still don't even know what, you know, that possibly could have had an effect on him. The offensive line's is a shambles. The coaching staff is already at odds with the players. I mean, it's just a mess in Dallas. So I wouldn't take this year. I would take it with a grain of salt. I think come back 2021. Let's send Zeke to Capo again. Let him get his rest. Let him get some recovery. I think it will be fine in 2021, but it's a mess right now. Yeah, I've seen people say that Zeke is like back-end RB1 now, that he's moved out of that for sure top five. I definitely do not agree with that. And again, to just, just to further that point, right now he is fourth in the league with 150 rush attempts. The people ahead of him are Derrick Henry, who has 18 targets, Josh Jacobs with 26 targets, and Todd Gurley with 22. Zeke has 49. Like, he's being utilized more than anybody else out of the backfield, and the volume just isn't there because he's facing so many eight-man fronts, and that line has been so bad this year. So, yes, I agree for the rest of this season. If you're in redraft, I would want to get out of the Ezekiel Elliott business. But long-term for Dynasty, if you can buy Elliott cheap, I would absolutely do that. Oh, yeah, smash that accept button. Uh, Make sure you can get that done and then screenshot it and save it for next year so that you can mock people with it. Because this is why we talk about recency bias so much. This is all recency bias-based. It's people's inability to like project out long-term for things, but let's move it off. Seek. I think we've covered it pretty thoroughly. Uh, Miles Sanders for me, I'm out on the Miles Sanders business coming back from injury this week for redraft. I don't care. I want, I want to be out of this. Steve and I, we've talked about this like 500 times. I don't think we even need to rehash it all the way, but we will give the impressive Miles Sanders. If he doesn't have two 70 yard touchdowns stat at some point about He's totally useless without two 70-yard touchdowns that at this point are propping up his entire season. I don't care that he's coming back. I don't care that he's going to get his old job back. I want out of this business, and his schedule is utterly brutal the rest of the way. I am selling Miles Sanders and because somebody – we all know there's too many Miles Sanders truthers. Somebody's going to give me name value for this in my league if I'm willing to turn over enough rocks to find it, and I am willing to do so because I do not want to count on it rest away. Steve, back me up here. Help me out. Yeah, my favorite part, what's one of my favorite stats still of the entire season is that uh, in the game against Pittsburgh, Miles Sanders had a 74-yard touchdown, and he finished the day with 11 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Like, what an unbelievable stat line. If you just looked at that, you'd think, oh, man, they were just consistently pounding the ball at them, and he ended up in the end zone twice. No, no, he got lucky one time. And then against Baltimore, same deal. He had nine carries for 118 yards, 
but 72 of that was on a touchdown. So again, or, or not a touchdown, but a long run that he was tackled like right before the end zone. So without two huge runs that he broke off, he has had an atrocious couple of weeks. Uh, RB finish in PPR this season, 10 against the Rams. So one good game, but then 20, 33, the Pittsburgh fluke game and the Baltimore fluke game, he was three and 17. So again, if someone wants to give you name value for Miles Sanders, I would take it, but no, I, I want out of that as quickly as possible. It may be harder to do now that he's been hurt. Uh, I would have loved to do it after that Pittsburgh game or after the Baltimore game if he wasn't injured, but it is what it is. I'll take what I can get. I don't want any part of it. John, Miles Sanders long-term, yay or nay? What do you think? I'm still going to stay with Miles Sanders long-term. I mean, look, he's only 23 years old. And, I mean, it's not like anybody else is doing better. When, you know, when they put Boston Scott in, he's looked pretty bad. I think it's just the Eagles' offense, especially their offensive line. It's really Yeah, the line is rough. Yeah, and, and you know, if they, if, if they make some improvements in the future, of course, I think that Miles Sanders' value should return. Um, but right now, of course, yeah, it's in the toilet. But um, long-term, I'm still, I'm still uh, riding for Miles Sanders. I can't really argue it knowing that he's only 23 and that their O-line is literally that bad. But it's, it's, it's important to check in on it because now would be the time, I would think, re- relatively speaking, or maybe last year. But I think for the last name on the list, everybody's going to know where we're going if you really listen to this show. If you follow us online, it's CEH. We have to have this conversation. Uh, don't go far, John, because we're coming right back to you. But Steve and I are on record pretty loud in public, as loud as you can get realistically on this topic. I am not in the CEH business. I haven't been all year, so I'm not actually making this decision. But if I am in that it, it, rostered with him, I feel like there's no way that you can trust that for your playoffs moving forward, even as, like, as no more than an RB2, which is not what you paid. So for me, I want to try and get rid of CEH on name and see if I can get somebody interested in the shiny new toy to way overpay me so I can build my squad with something more reliable. Steve, do you want to further on to the, to the funeral for CEH here? Uh, we talked about it. He's been a back-end RB2 most of this season, even before Le'Veon Bell got there. And then when Le'Veon Bell got there, like outside of falling into the end zone, he's been completely horrible. So, yeah, I mean, he had the farewell tour, which was beautiful. But other than that, He scored a touchdown to finish as RB19. And then this past week, he did the same thing. Scored a touchdown, finished as RB19. Otherwise, he would have had seven points, six points, and six points in three games with Le'Veon Bell on the roster. Ugh. Yuck. And let's not forget, we'll throw to John here to get the dynasty perspective because I've still seen CEH ranked long-term as a top five dynasty running back just because simply he plays for the Chiefs and Le'Veon Bell won't be there long-term. Let's not forget that because of the rules with the COVID opt-out, that next year, Damian Williams will be back. He will be back on the roster on a one-year deal, and he will be in that Le'Veon Bell role. This will go back to what we thought this roster was going to be at the beginning of the season with a split between the two of them in a committee don't tell me that Andy Reid doesn't love a committee when they literally brought in Le'Veon Bell to make a better committee than they already had with Daryl Williams. So when Damian Williams comes back next year, I think it's just going to be more of the same. And if you can sell CEH long-term on the name alone and the idea that, hey, look, a Chiefs player, here you go, I think you can get high-end value for that. John, what do you think, CEH long-term? What, do you, what, do we, what, what are you going to do with this whole mess? 
I, I still, I had him coming into the season as the number one running back from this class, but I mean, I think I'll have to reevaluate that. I think obviously Jonathan Taylor, I'm a little worried about Taylor with, uh, you know, um, with this season, but I think long-term I still like him maybe more than I do CEH and then James Robinson emerging. I mean, so I don't know, I'm liking more players more than I like Clyde and his performance this year is kind of wearing some of that shine off that I was really excited about. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll take him long-term as maybe an RB2, but if you're expecting RB1, uh, sort of value that I think you're going to be disappointed more often. Not just RB1, John, top four. Y- yes, exactly. Four overall is where that got to. And we spent a year, it felt like, of my life. At least that's what it felt like for sure, yelling at people about it. So just so for you, you're saying RB2 is the more real actual metric. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Dave, or as Steve mentioned, Damian Williams is going to be back. I mean, Grandy's going to be back one year older, but still, I, I think he'll factor into the offense. And who's to say the Chiefs, they're going to lose Le'Veon Bell. They won't acquire another running back in the draft or another running back in free agency. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it, it's just hard to say. A lot of upside. Definitely the ceiling is very high, but the floor is also pretty low, um, you know, given how just the offense uh, works in Kansas City. And just as a final thought before we transition off running back, all three of the mentioned guys, Zeke, Miles Sanders, CEH, all their schedules get significantly tougher for your fantasy playoffs, which is, again, kind of the theme of some of this. And as a final note, uh, David Johnson, his status is a little bit wonky. So if I could actually find somebody who wanted to give me full value for David Johnson, I'd probably be looking at that pretty hard, but not necessarily going to happen given the injury he just sustained. But let's talk about one of our favorite topics, Steve, when we, as, we position, as we pivot to wide receiver, Tyler Lockett. It's, for me, it's a consistency issue, but I know this is a passion of yours talking about this, so I'll defer to you on the Tyler Lockett segment. Tyler Lockett is a very interesting guy because he's Tyreek Hill in a Seahawks uniform, <laughs> and he doesn't get talked about in a top five status because he doesn't wear a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. Because if he did, he'd be the greatest wide receiver of all time. But, he'd be, but he, he couldn't be because Tyreek Hill would still be on the Chiefs. You see well, what I'm like, at that, no, that doesn't matter. Remember, math doesn't exist when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Math office. doesn't exist in Kansas City. That is fair. Exactly. We did, we did yes. statistically prove that. Yeah, we, we wrote, we, we, we did the math. We sat down and did it. And Mahomes is going to have 5,000 passing yards and the receivers will have 10,000 yards receiving. I don't know how they got there, but that's the math. That's how it works. Yeah, and CH will have 16, 17 touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. But that that's the whole point. Tyler Lockett is completely boomer bust. He's he's if you love yourself some Tyreek Hill, let me tell you about Tyler Lockett. It, it's a fifty-one week and a five the next. That's literally what it is. DK Metcalf is the number one more consistent wide receiver on that team. But if you're talking about a home run flex, then I'm fine with Tyler Lockett. I, I continually will have him in that wide receiver two back end range on a weekly basis, same area as Tyreek Hill, because I cannot trust it because it's not consistent and it's depending too much on hitting the boom when you have to factor in the bust as well. That's completely fair. It's why he's the top of this list because of the actual total points, which is why we tell you not to look at total points. Someone is going to overpay you for Tyler Lockett. For example, in a league that we play in, which will remain nameless, someone traded a third round pick for Tyler Lockett because science when they already had four other starting wide receivers. That's the power of the name Tyler Lockett and the let Russ cook stuff that's going on right now. People are not evaluating that appropriately. You also notice Tyreek Hill is not on this list because I didn't want to waste people's time talking about something that they will never trade because the internet seems to have spoken on that. I'm kind of done talking about it with people. They seem to just have tuned me out and they don't want to listen anymore. So fine, enjoy your 
Tyreek Hill. The one week he doesn't score a touchdown, though, I'm taking that victory lap on Twitter, Steve. I'm saving up for it. I got a whole bunch of yeah, ammo. So, f- so far this point, the one week he didn't score a touchdown, he was wide receiver 63. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, every other week he scored a touchdown. So. And he got two last week, which is just annoying. But let's pivot into into the Vikings because we talked about this in the preseason. It's actually been something we talked about. Do we about. have to? I don't want to, but we do. Because people still people still love Adam Thielen. They're still riding that high from the start of the season with Adam Thielen. And I, what we've seen over the last few weeks especially is that team gelling into the team that they want it to be, which is the Dalvin Cook experience featuring Kirk Cousins and the Pips. They, they don't matter nearly as much as Dalvin Cook running it it's down. It's amazing to watch Dalvin Cook single-handedly ruin the Vikings franchise future. It's amazing. They, they can't get a new quarterback because Dalvin Cook is too good. And they're going to feature him. Because Dalvin it's, Cook keeps winning them games. They can't get a better quarterback. Way to go, Dalvin. It's amazing. It's to, amazing. to be fair, it's the most incredible display of just building in his own job security. Like, no, I don't want a better quarterback. I oh, want to yeah, keep yeah. running. I the want entire 300 time. touches a year. Exactly. You give me my 300 yes. touches a year until I finally go ping. It's I, genius. It's like, no, 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 we're going to be in the teens again, and you're not getting a QB. I'm going to keep here with Kirk Cousins getting 15 carries and 15 catches a game. Just high-fiving Kirk Cousins and Alexander Madison on his way to the field every time. It's amazing to watch. But if Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball 17 times a game, which is what the Vikings want, by the way, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson have a defined ceiling for me. You've seen it play out the last three weeks where – Over the last two weeks, Justin Jefferson has eight targets, not eight receptions, eight targets. It is not sustainable if they're only going to throw the ball 17 times, which we all acknowledge is what they want to do. So for me, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, both because of the names and because of the heat that was on them at the start of the season, likely you can cash above their actual value rest of the season. And I'm inclined to do so. I want to get into something a little bit more stable, but I want to talk to John specifically about Justin Jefferson. John, we didn't forget you're there. This got a little redraft heavy. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson, the career. Because I think we all agree Adam Thielen's a nice player now, probably for the next year or two. He's got that extension, but I don't think he plays out that whole extension. Probably not. He's getting up there. Justin Jefferson is the dynasty conversation. What do, what do you think? I love me some Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I think uh, redraft value, I, I think he's already – I like him more than Thielen, and I think dynasty, um, you know, he's probably up there as the probably second, third, my favorite receiver from this draft class, and he's had some moments – uh, where he's really shined uh, despite playing in an offense that doesn't throw the ball a lot. So I think his ceiling is so high, but that floor obviously is pretty low given that what the Vikings want to do as an offense. And uh, I was sort of hoping that maybe if the Vikings continued to suck, they would they would potentially move on from Mike Zimmer and might get a better offensive scheme. But uh, Dalvin Cook is ruining that uh, probably too. So uh, we might see more of the same next year as far as the offense goes, but I still think Justin Jefferson is a, a pretty high value, especially if we're looking at maybe wide, wide receiver two. Uh, I think you, you can't really go wrong with him. Really that high. Okay. So all, graduating all the way up into wide receiver two for, for, uh, for dynasty. I think so. And especially if they, if they do eventually move on from Thielen, I think that, you know, only opens that uh, potential even more, but a lot of it, you know, we'll see what happens with the Vikings going forward. So. That's an interesting one, too. I want to get your take on this, John, because uh, when you're talking about general like dynasty trading philosophy, I've seen a lot like um, I think a great example is Terry McLaurin. To me, he feels a lot like the Allen Robinson of this younger generation 
where he's had to deal with some terrible quarterback play. And despite that fact, he is still a top 10 wide receiver this year and in dynasty going forward. So if they actually solve that issue in Washington, he would be potentially a top five wide receiver long-term. We kind of thought the same thing about DJ Moore coming into this year, and that's crashed and burned with Teddy. I think a lot of that has to do with injuries as well. So it's still early. We'll wait and see. But in terms of guys like T Higgins, where we know he's going to have Joe Burrow for basically the, at least the first four years of his career, the rookie contract of his career. Are you more inclined to go with a guy like that or a guy like Jefferson who's dealing with a Kirk cousins right now? And then long-term maybe has a different quarterback. Maybe his value goes up. Maybe he has a more talent than Higgins. So long-term his value might be better. Or do you feel like it's better to have the connection of the long-term quarterback already in place like T Higgins has. Normally I would go as a general philosophy. I like the stability of the quarterback, especially knowing that Burrow is so young. He's 23. He's just getting better and better as it goes. But I think the talent that Justin Jefferson has uh, stands out so much to me. I mean, I still have nightmares about him putting up touchdown after touchdown against my Sooners. And I think his upside, even this year, we've seen, you know, he's, he's had games where he's put up 175 yards, 166 yards. You know, I think that upside, that ceiling is just so high for me. Um, not to say T. Higgins couldn't achieve that as well, but we've already seen Justin Jefferson do it, even in a bad offense. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little more maybe excited about that still than maybe Higgins' consistency. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Because I feel like I've seen a lot of stuff like that where – even a guy like, for example, a Chris Godwin, where he's got Tom Brady, and obviously that's not a long-term solution. So, you know, would the value be more towards T. Higgins because he has the connection with Burrow, who's the longer-term quarterback? But you're saying it's talent over situation, even though at least for the short term, for the interim, you would be looking at whatever the QB situation is. Yeah, in this case, I think it's kind of it's it's kind of picking nits a little bit, but I think um, I, and it, it, it starts to delve a little bit away from some of the statistical analyses you could put into it. But I think just that seeing that upside uh, and seeing it on the field, it's really hard to ignore. It's sort of a it's almost like a bias that's it's kind of hard to ignore. OK, yeah, I would agree with you. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't completely crazy there. So help me understand something else, too, John, before we before we get ready to wrap up here. T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, going into next year, rank them for me. Okay, so you said Lamb, Rager, Higgins, and who? Jefferson? Judy. Judy, oh, and Judy. you know what? We'll do Jefferson as five. Okay. I would go C.D. Lamb number one. I just think the upside, the Dal- it's so hard to evaluate Dallas this year. Let's get Dak back, and we can – C.D. Lamb looks great even without Dak. Um, so I'm still going to go CD lamb. I think Jefferson or excuse me, Judy two, uh, Jefferson three, Lee Higgins four. I would probably, and I think you said a fifth one Rager. I might have to bump Rager down. I don't know. I mean, it does. It's just so, I, that's the crazy thing is because I had Rager number one at the beginning of the year. And now I'm like feeling like I got to move them all the way down to five, but, um, that's why I wanted you to do it cold. I didn't give you this in the pre-show. That's why, the, that's why it's a little awkward. Cause I think another thing there. It is when we were talking about that in the preseason was the fact that Rager was the established number one because 
you know, Alshon Jeffrey's been hurt and he's so bad. And Deshaun Jackson is on the back end of his career as well. So not only would Rager be able to easily outplay the two of them and establish himself as the one early, but they were both going to move on and then he would just feast on the targets, especially with Zach Ertz leaving as well. Now that Travis Fulgham has emerged and has been such a great story this year, being a wide receiver too, that's come out of basically nowhere for Philly, like off the scrap heap that I feel like at this point, Fulgham's the number one wide receiver for that offense. And Rager is, you know, second fiddle, which is, is not to say he's not going to get volume and get what he, he's not going to have some kind of fantasy value, but it's not what we expected coming into this year for sure. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. And just taking a longer lens at it. Rager has been hurt, so he's coming back. So we'll see. He had a touchdown in the game and he came back. So it's it's all kind of fluid. That was kind of the point of that little exercise because it's already so different from just six months ago when we were doing the initial rankings for your rookie drafts where C.D. Lamb, okay, sure, it probably would have been in the middle of that list for most people where I agree with you. That's the most exciting one for the for Dynasty moving forward at this point, just looking at what he was able to do with Dak even in that short sample size. And he, Michael Gallup at this point is going to play himself off that team if he can't learn to catch a football. So the sky's yeah, the I limit think in my mind. Lamb was our number one in the preseason, and I think that stayed the same. The one that's kind of changed and fluctuated for me is Judy. Yeah. And- Jerry Judy, if you had asked me just two weeks ago, where do I have Jerry Judy? He probably would have been fifth on the list, given that he wasn't doing anything. With Cortland Sutton not there, he clearly is not the number one. He's got no connection with Locke, and who knows who that quarterback will be next year because it doesn't look like it's going to be Locke. And then he has a couple of good games here, and now all of a sudden he's leaped right back into the conversation of being number two behind C.D. Lamb. It's it's fascinating to see how th- that class of wide receivers has kind of like come into the league and has already managed to kind of displace a lot of these older names. But that's that. there's one last name on this list, and we're going to do it very quickly. We've already mentioned D.J. Moore. I'm out on it for redraft to keep it simple, bad schedule. The rest of the way, the Panthers have a bottom five schedule for wide receivers the rest of the way. So if you've been riding Robbie Anderson, uh, for example, probably not great. Might want to look at something that too, but I feel better about that than DJ Moore. DJ Moore the rest of the way. I just, I can't get, go there. Steve done with DJ Moore. Look in his defense, Robbie Anderson has spent most of his life living in a gangster's paradise. That's fair. That it's is a Coolio under- reference. Feel free way. to Google it. Yeah, feel free to for Google you, Robbie for Anderson. For you youths out there, and then you want to Google Coolio, and then yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, um, yeah, Robbie Anderson sense. seems to have some kind of connection with Teddy Bridgewater. Remember in the preseason when people said Teddy Bridgewater was terrible and couldn't throw the long ball, and now that's all he's done to Robbie Anderson <laughs> and just has this rapport with him that he just can't get with anybody else. Remember that that there was the there was the team of forgotten toys over there uh, i just I, even more fascinating than that is just add robbie anderson to the list of players that the minute that they get away from adam gaze immediately skyrocket in value that uh, list is so a long. long list that is it's My such goodness. a long we started doing it in the chat with knee wallace bruce and it, we got to like 16 players when you start adding in line and defense it's really depressing but john any thoughts on the panthers uh, real quick before we sign off here no, I mean, not really specifically other than I'm, I wouldn't, you know, in Dynasty, I wouldn't sell, um, you know, wouldn't be so quick to sell DJ Moore. He's only 23 and he's had some, you know, he's already shown he could be quite productive. So, you know, um, 
obviously Robbie Anderson being there takes away from a lot of his potential, but um, I still think he's still young and has a lot of value still. So we'll see. Yeah. I think the big thing there is if you're in dynasty with DJ Moore, you're riding it out. I think you're trying to see what he does when he gets healthy, the second half of the season, if he can build that rapport, because based on how he's been playing and based on the contract that he signed at, at the beginning of this year, it is, this is Teddy Bridgewater's job for the next two years. Unless something goes catastrophically wrong here, this is Teddy Bridgewater's job. So the two of them have to get on the same page. And if they can the second half of this season, it's going to greatly change my value and my rank of DJ Moore heading into next year. But until then, at this point, yeah, he's in flex territory and no higher than that. Yeah, so I think we're all agreed. If I could get DJ Moore out for redraft, I'm inclined to do it. If I could get, you know, the, an equivalent level of value to get into something a little bit more stable for redraft for this season, for sure. But for Dynasty, he's too young and he's proven to be too valuable to cut bait on it just yet. Let's give him a, another year with Teddy Two Gloves and uh, shout out to Jack. And the uh, the <laughs> just the, the, we'll, we'll give them another year to develop because I agree with the other statement, Teddy Bridgewater, that is his job. He has not played bad enough by any means to, to even sniff losing that job. They've been too productive. And you may be wondering why there are no tight end sales because tight end is that bad folks. The list, the list we came up with was Mike Gusecki, Tyler Higby and Dalton Schultz. And if you can sell any one of those guys, you let us know because at that point I'll send you your sales trophy and you can go on vacation. You can take president's club. You can, you can go enjoy that. So the tight end is literally that bad, as we pointed out in the beginning. There's four guys that actually have real value, and everything else is coin flips and turning over rocks. But, John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. So where can the people find you, and what are your final thoughts for today? Hey, thanks for having me, Neil and Steve. This was great. It was great to talk trades and uh, dynasty and redraft with you guys. Um, and the people can find me, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter on Dynasty PhD, or you can find me on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. Uh, so yeah, I put out a weekly column on Dynasty pickups. So feel free to check me out there on importantnonsense.com. Uh, other than that, just be good, be safe, wear a mask, and I'll uh, catch you all on Sundays with Jack and me if you're, uh, if you're having to listen to our, uh, our Sunday recap show as well. One of the smartest football shows, not just fantasy football, but football shows. In, get off ESPN. Get ESPN, get off our lawn with NFL Live. We've got a better option for you than that. Uh, Steve, where can they find you on social, and what are your final thoughts for today? You can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. My final thoughts would be if you are paying $5 a month for ESPN Plus and you're watching Boomer and you're watching Booger, give you your recap of the Sunday show. You're doing it wrong because you need, you need to be listening to the Sunday show here on important nonsense, far superior, much better. Um, I don't know. I don't know who would be who though, because I mean, Jack is obviously boomer because he's like steering the ship, but really Jason is the booger McFarlane of our staff here. <laughs> so he's got his own booger mobile, but that's the Friday show. You should be listening to that one as well. So if you're really in to the the boomer and booger experience i would say you listen to the friday show for sure and then to get actual legitimate recaps you got to listen to the sunday show i absolutely co-sign all of that and also john everybody should check out john's article that goes up on tuesdays if you like dynasty deep cuts he's got a never-ending supply have john watch the nc 
A and T games for you and give you all your highlights from them. You don't need to spend your time. He'll come and give you all the weird. Do you like coastal athletic football for for draft evaluation purposes? Because John doesn't. John's your guy. He's got all of them, all the deep cuts. They're amazing and they're very informative. Check that out. But you can find me and come and yell at me about how bad I am at this and just my advice in general at nonsense underscore Neil and Twitter and the Fantasy Life app. Come and check out the trade tables. Appreciate you staying with us. Uh, follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at NonsenseFF. You can also follow us in the Important Nonsense community page on the Fantasy Life app. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you listen. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a four-star review, I will assume you are a hater. You can follow me everywhere at Nonsense underscore Neil. Once again, until next week, just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!